3: From KQED in San Francisco, I'm Alexis Madrigal. Of the many Californians who died of COVID, one in eight lived in a nursing home. Nearly 10,000 nursing home residents have been killed by the disease in our state alone. The pandemic exposed systemic problems with the quality of care our elders receive and is prompting legislators to rethink the oversight and funding of these institutions. And then we'll spend some time listening to and learning about Bolacete, the groundbreaking Brazilian guitarist who spent decades here in the Bay Area influencing our music scene. We'll hear cuts from a newly reissued live album, like this one, Soul Samba. That's all next after this news. Welcome to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. Look, since the beginning of the pandemic, most of, us, most of us have known that nursing homes, sometimes more precisely called skilled nursing facilities, have serious problems that put their residents at severe risk. But here we are, deep into COVID times, and isn't it about time that something actually changed? So that's what we're talking about today, the big problems with nursing homes that COVID has highlighted and the possibility of fixing them. Today, we're joined by Jim Wood, state assembly member of the Sonoma County and the North Coast. He chairs the Assembly Health Committee. Welcome, Assemblyman Wood.
4: Good morning. Thanks for having me on.
3: For sure. We're also joined by Samantha Young, California politics correspondent for California Healthline and Kaiser Health News. Welcome,
2: Samantha. Good morning. Thank you for having me.
3: Samantha, for people who aren't familiar with how nursing homes are funded here in our state, and we do fund them with a lot of tax dollars. How does it work? Like, How does money actually flow to these facilities from taxpayers?
2: It, uh, well, it's very complicated, uh, but you're right. Most uh, nursing homes are funded by taxpayers. Um, in California, most of the nursing homes are funded by the state uh, through Medi-Cal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and most of the money uh, comes from... About 5.5 billion dollars com- comes from state taxpayers. Um, most of those residents are, are the old, elderly Californians, and also Medicare. The federal government does pay for some of our nursing home residents, and then of course you have some private pay as well. So, and they, it's a very complicated formula how all of these, you know, nursing home residents are are cared for, and um, that's what makes it so hard to to track.
3: Mm-hmm. Because it's just multiple streams, and and it's very difficult to know which, uh, n- how to fund these nursing homes. Who should get uh, money? Who should get? There are these bonuses that can come for providing quality care, right?
2: Well, exactly. And nursing homes, I mean, they they get reimbursed for different types of care, so they'll get um, reimbursed for you know how many um, different. Uh, let's see, if you have a nursing. Uh, patient who uh, needs a higher level of care who is a dementia patient or if you have a patient who needs to be walked you have a patient who needs to be bathed you have all of these you have then nursing homes also get reimbursed for the administrative expenses because you need to do more than just provide staff you also have to have the actual uh expensive actually running a nursing home Mm -hmm. but nursing homes don't get reimbursed as as high of a level um, for uh doing administrative expenses and that's so there's a wide very complicated formulas that go into all of that
3: assemblyman would you've been holding hearings on this in the assembly and now that you've done that what do you identify as kind of the big problem areas for uh nursing homes in california
4: gee, I don't know, where do we start? I mean, there's a whole host of uh, problem areas from my perspective. I think one of, from my perspective, uh, one of the challenges that we face is that the majority of nursing homes are for profit um, and I'm not against you know profit, but I'm beginning to be more and more inclined to feel that for profit in medical care, um, and I can, this is obviously medical care, um, doesn't always lead to the best patient outcomes. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also concerned about uh, licensure. Uh, we, we know that there, has been, uh, there have been lags in uh, licensing facilities. There's a whole uh, 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 complicated uh, systems that some of the operators have used to um, uh, set up other companies where they, get, they buy their services from. You know, like a nursing home might have uh, one company that owns the land and, and the building and they lease it from them. There's a lot of different ways to game the system. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's, um, that is, uh, one of my big concerns is how do we get our arms around that? And that's a tough one.
3: What about inspections? Like who's actually going out? Do we feel like there's a, a proper level of oversight on these facilities?
4: There, there had been, um, uh, sort of, well, there had been lags in inspections, um, early on. There has been, you know, this is, um, these are being, um, uh inspected by people from the department of public health and there was a staff shortage at one point and they're doing much better now uh, but there had been um uh problems with inspections and then um you know i, I would like to see that that inspect personally um, that inspectors get mixed up a little bit uh, uh so that uh you know you're, you're not always inspecting in the same areas so mm. to speak and that some of the and also maybe you know having um it it feels like um, the operators tend to know when the inspectors are coming and that gives people the opportunity to clean the house up, so to speak. And that's, that's not the purpose from my perspective. They should be spontaneous uh, and, and we should, you know, like a, like a surprise inspection and say, Hey, what's really going on in these facilities? Mm -hmm. Not just when they, when they know we're coming. Right.
3: So there's some legislation that's been bouncing around Uh, the assembly and Sacramento generally didn't make it to the governor's desk this year. Um, What do you need to see in legislation? Like, what do you want to actually pass uh, out of Sacramento?
4: Well, there is a piece of legislation. It's AB 1502. It was introduced by uh, Assemblymember Al Marasucci. And it's focusing on the licensing process and other and some other reforms as well. And during COVID, um, you know, or last year—I mean, we're still in COVID, you know, for who knows how long. But, but um, last year, uh, we were pretty limited in our ability to move a lot of uh, a lot of bills and. This one in particular was, um, I knew this was going to be a heavy lift. And um, so I, I actually held the bill. I don't like to do that. But I held the bill because I wanted to spend the time to dive into it. And we, we have been diving into that. We had, we had a hearing. Uh, and what was fascinating about that hearing to me is the number of legislators who were there. And, um, and that is unusual for a hearing that happens uh, in the off season, so to speak but we had a a number of legislators from all over the state there who have a strong interest in this. And so I took the step of asking uh, Mr. Marsucci to be a joint author on this. um, And uh, we're going to work together to, to move this bill. We are working with the department of public health uh, to get some uh, guidance from them. Uh, They pledged uh, that they would work with us early in the process and they are, we are meeting with them. So it's So what are like two or
3: three key provisions in that bill that you'd like to see? Well,
4: uh, yeah, look, really looking closely at at, at uh, licensing. You know, uh, the licensing process. There have been cases in this state where uh, there have been uh, homes that haven't uh, have been operating essentially without a license. They've been ma- under management agreements and uh, uh, continuing management agreements, some for several years. Uh, and I think that part of it is we want to we want to make sure that that doesn't happen anymore. But also, we need to be looking really closely at who. Is applying for these licenses and um, and backgrounds. We want to be sure that that's the best operators that are that are going to get the licenses here uh, that don't have a track record of of uh, bad outcomes for patients. And so those are the, those are two of the big uh, big issues for us.
3: Yeah, Samantha Young. Who are the sort of political opponents of nursing home reform?
2: Well, I I think that you. you don't really want to characterize it as an opponent because one would say, you know, the, the California association of healthcare facilities, they represent the nursing home industry. Mm -hmm. And when, when I spoke with them, you know, they, they too say that there needs to be reform in the system. Uh, You know, and I think everybody recognizes that you need to have some changes, you know, in the licensing that the assemblyman was just speaking about, um, they, they, at this hearing that the assemblyman was talking about, they, they too said that we need to have some improvements there and they're frustrated with the long delays. And so, but they have been um, very, they've been blocking a lot of the reforms that have been pushed by the advocates in, in the past few years. Um, these problems have been in existence for at least 10 years. There have been audits Uh, you know, dating back to 2007, uh, at least, uh, talking about many of these problems that COVID has exposed. And so I think you're finally getting the attention that a lot of these issues deserve. And you do have a lot of these nursing homes that are resistant to change. And and so they want their voices heard as well. And so I think that's when you kind of look at who's opposing some of these reforms. It can be the nursing homeowners who themselves uh, really want to make sure that they're not going to be hamstringed in their operations.
3: And just wanted to note that a Kaiser Health News analysis of campaign finance records found that the industry is given to one hundred and five uh, current members of the hundred and twenty member Legislature. And I also wanted to note that we invited the California Association of Health Facilities, which is the nonprofit trade association, which is a lobbying group representing the skilled nursing facilities, and they declined to join us. Uh I wanted to uh, ask you, uh Summerman Wood, do you think you're gonna get something through the legislature um in this next uh session?
4: Absolutely. I, I have no doubt about it. Um the bill that I was speaking about with uh, uh, Assemblymember Marisuchi, I'm very confident we'll get that through. I also believe there will be other legislation coming from other members uh, of the Assembly uh, and probably the Senate as well. Um, this is a very, um, very uh, hot topic, so to speak. Uh, and I think a lot of people were watching that hearing and a lot of people are very concerned. So our bill uh, or Mr. Marisuchi's bill will be one of many, I think, that you see this year.
3: Yeah. And where does the governor stand on this? Have you spoken with him or his team?
4: Have not. Um, I do know that. Um, and, you know, having read this, but I haven't seen um, any any of the language that the governor is proposing some changes in um, how uh, funding happens, certainly around quality and trying to try quality tie qual potentially tie quality to staffing and um, uh, those kinds of things. Haven't seen the language yet. Very anxious to see that. Um, We will probably begin to see that early January.
3: Yeah. And last thing before we let you go, how would you go about choosing a nursing home for someone in your family if you had to, given what you know about the system? Well,
4: wow, that's a great question. You know, I, I will, I will say I have, uh, I have, my mom is in an assisted living facility in a, in another state and, um, knowing what I know, I would be doing personal visits. I would be, um, Asking the state for uh, uh, to under, if you're considering a particular home, you know, what is the uh, what's the history on that uh, as history of complaints, uh, immediate jeopardy claims. Are there any deaths in the facility? Mm-hmm. And I would be personally visiting these facilities um, uh, and, and talking to residents and families of other residents, too.
3: Thanks so much. We've been talking about how the pandemic death toll is prompting calls for more oversight of nursing home licensing, inspections and quality of care. We've been joined by Jim Wood, state assembly member for District 2. Thanks so much for joining us, Jim. Thank you very much. We've also got Samantha Young, California politics correspondent for California Healthline and Kaiser Health News is going to stay with us. So stay with us, too. After the break, we're going to be talking more about nursing home reform. I'm Alexis Madrigal. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. We're talking about how the pandemic death toll is prompting calls for more oversight of nursing home licensing, inspections, and the quality of care provided in those facilities. We're joined by Samantha Young, California politics correspondent for California Healthline and Kaiser Health News. We want to hear from you. Are you a nursing home resident or do you have a loved one in a nursing home? Have you had a hard time finding a place for uh, yourself or a loved one? Give us a call now. 866-733-6786. 866 733 6786. That's 866 733 6786. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, KQED Forum. And the email, of course, is forum at kqed.org. So, uh, Samantha, Young, I want to talk about one of the other things that's happening in this realm, which uh, Michael tweets My wife and her sister placed their mother in a church run nursing home when she was 98. The church sold it off to a for-profit chain. Under the new management, an attendant tore her leg open on a protruding screw while trying to put her in a wheelchair. That experience is happening to a lot of different people as this industry begins to see a lot of investors coming in, right?
2: You mean uh, having new ownership?
3: Having new management, having new management, yeah.
2: Yeah, that's correct. I mean, right now, there are a number of new operators coming in Uh, you and it takes a while to process those licenses. I think this is something that this new legislation that the Assemblyman referred to is going to be taking a look at. And there's um, it takes a long time to process these new ownership uh, applications. Mm -hmm. And uh, you just don't, you know, and part of the reason is that um, it's very complicated. I think that's what this legislation is going to try to get at. Um, but, you know, this briefing, a briefing paper, you know, that looked into this showed that it, the average number of days it takes to process one of these applications is 492 days, mm. just in a change of ownership. Wow. And that's a long time.
3: And so while that's happening, what's happening in the nursing home itself? Like, it, we... Basically, things go on, but they're sort of acting with a sort of pending license.
2: That's exactly right. Um, You know, uh, and, and in some cases, they found that there are some nursing homes that have been operating with a pending license for as long as five years.
0: Wow.
3: And so when that's happening, let's say just for the sake of argument that the operator coming in has done a very bad job in other facilities does that mean for those 500 days, they can just sort of, like, make money? And even if their application is going to eventually be rejected, it won't be rejected until that time comes around?
2: That's a very – that is a likely scenario, yes. Yeah.
3: You know, the the other thing, when we uh, mentioned investors, um, you know, the assemblyman was saying, you know, that he's more and more inclined to think that for-profit and medical care doesn't always lead to the best patient outcomes. That was the quote that um, uh, I have from him. Um, but – there are actually private equity firms that are coming into this realm, uh, right? Who are just like buying up chains um, of nursing homes, kind of going in the opposite uh, direction.
2: Yes, and it's so hard to figure out exactly who owns these nursing homes. And you have private equity firms, you have real real estate firms. You 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 don't know, and that's part of the problem. Is the lack of transparency and exactly who owns these homes.
5: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, and so there have been calls for legislation on that as well.
3: Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. You should be able to know who owns the facility. <laughs> I mean, this feels like a very basic tenet of, of patient protection.
2: Exactly. Um, yeah. And then so we'll see if that happens this year.
3: Yeah. Um, I want to bring in Rich from San Francisco to share his experience. Welcome to the show, Rich.
2: Hey,
6: thank you very much for the opportunity to contribute. really love the coverage here you guys are putting on this topic. And I just wanted to uh, highlight that this challenge goes way before COVID. And I think it's a, it's a reflection on the just a general lack of, I think, quality and care in skilled nursing and the profit motive that I believe is driving all that. Uh, mm-hmm. I have a family member who um, needed some long-term skilled care, and we did all the research that we could, and we found the most highly rated facility and, um, you know, moved them into that facility. And our personal experience of that, the care he received was horrific. Mm. Uh, it was actually, I think, counterproductive to his recovery. Mm. And we also witnessed some very, very um, questionable, if not downright, I think, unethical treatment of some of the other patients in the facility. Mm. And we tried very hard to, you know, speak with both the um the management as well as the actual, I guess, still nursing providers mm-hmm. in the facility. And ultimately we made a decision to remove him from that facility. Remove our, our family member from the facility and to take care of him at home. So I, I think this, this is a very big issue. I'm very glad you guys are covering it. And I would love to be able to continue to be a part of the conversation.
3: Yeah, Rich, one one thing. Were you able to like get to a state person, like someone at the Department of Public Health, to say, Hey, This is going on in this place.
6: Yeah, it's a great question. No, we were not able to. Uh, We basically uh, spoke with the management, and um, I'm not sure how the management works for these facilities, but it very much felt like there was two separate sorts of management. There was kind of patient care side of the management, and then there was the business side of the management. Mm. And, you know, very much um, we were stonewalled on both sides.
3: Yeah. Thank you for sharing your experience, Rich. I, that's it's frustrating to hear, um, Samantha. What do you What do you recommend that people who are having difficult experience with a nursing home, like what should they do?
2: It's uh, a great question. I, you know, I certainly what your question to ask when that you asked if they had called the state. There are also omnibus men that that uh, you can contact uh, who their job is to really look out for patients um, patient advocates their patient advocacy groups as well who will can help pay, uh, families in these circumstances but that that is the frustrating thing is it's, it can be such a bureaucracy and, and for many of these families it, you just don't know where to turn to get help
3: yeah i also did just want to note um, you know when we talk about these payouts to these companies and the way it runs for the state, that a 2018 report by the California State Auditor found that the three largest private operators, that's Brius Healthcare, Plum Healthcare Group, and Longwood Management Corp., are highly profitable. Their combined, obviously this report is relying on older numbers, but their combined 2006 net income of $10 million grew to between $35 and $54 million by 2015, the most recent year the state auditor, uh, auditor analyzed. So just reading a, a, a quote there. Um, let's bring in Gina from Berkeley.
7: Hi, thank you for having me on.
3: Yeah, thanks for joining us.
7: Okay, so I am um, my mom lived in a nursing home for many years in Alameda, California. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, of course, you know, like many people, I felt I felt bad that I wasn't able to care for her myself, and I was very glad to have their care. Um, they sold, they went into, they went uh, under, they had a new management after a few years, and I noticed that the quality of care shifted. Um, three times in the last uh, couple of years, she developed uh, urinary tract infections, mm. and uh, it was it was me that would notice that she was acting strangely. Mm-hmm. Um, one time I went into her room and she wasn't able to eat. And I asked, because I would visit weekly, I, I asked them what was going on. And they would say, Oh, well, she's, you know, elderly people, this happens to elderly people sometimes. I said, No, 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 no. So we yeah, had a good This go to happens to elderly
3: people with UTIs. Yeah. Right.
7: Exactly. And I said, I know my mom. She's very alert and coherent. And so three times it turned out that it was because I noticed that she wasn't doing well that she had, you know, I took her to the hospital and indeed she had UTIs. Mm. This, and unfortunately in February, she contracted COVID. Um, I didn't find out that she tested positive until I called and her roommate answered to tell me that they had moved her to another room. Oh. Um, they uh, She recovered from COVID uh, in the hospital. They sent her back. Then she developed another UTI. Um, and um, they had at that point, they had moved her to a different room because she was in the hospital for a while, mm-hmm. for a week. They put her in a new room when I went to go visit her. Fortunately, her room her bed was by a window, and I could go visit her. Um, but when I went to go visit her in a new room, they had changed her into a room without any of her stuff, mm-hmm. dark, no, none of her decorations. She was sitting. She couldn't feed herself. Um, mm-hmm. And she passed away. Now, my mom was 92. You know, mm-hmm. she had lived a long time. Um, my feeling is this. I think the nursing homes need as much help as they can get. They're understaffed. Too many clients. I don't feel like they're neglect. I don't feel like they neglected her purposely. I feel like they just didn't have enough eyes on her,
6: mm-hmm.
7: um, and so they they really need a lot of help.
3: Keena, thanks for sharing your story with us, and I'm I'm sorry for your loss. Our best to thank you mother and family. Um, Samantha Young, uh, you know we we hear this thing come up a lot about staffing. You know they're, they're, these places are understaffed. How do we reconcile that with the profitability of these places? I mean, is there a direct relationship between the number of staff they have and the amount of money they make?
2: A great question. Uh, I mean, well, it costs money to hire staff, right? I mean, labor is one of the biggest costs for a lot of employers. And, you know, this is one of the areas that the state is really looking at is, do we require nursing homes to have more staff and if they do have more staff will we reimburse them more money um this isn't this will be one of the most contentious um items uh next mm. year when they go over this policy mm. um the nursing home industry does not want their reimbursement tied to staffing this way mm. um and you know it's a huge issue um I, you know in my reporting i found that you know, studies were done this uh, that showed during COVID the homes that uh, had lower staff staffing rates had higher COVID cases, um, and this this actually um, like marginally
3: the- more or like a lot more.
2: Like a lot more. There was one that was done in California that showed that it was double the rate. Mm. So quite quite substantial and and this actually you know this was found even before COVID that staffing rates um, you know were tied to higher infection levels. So I I think you know there's definitely an argument to be made that there's you know better care with with higher staffing. So you know it's it's going to be interesting as we watch you know this play out next year in the legislature and we're definitely going to hear back from the industry on this.
3: We're talking about how the pandemic death toll has really highlighted the problems with nursing homes. Uh, we're joined by Samantha Young, California politics correspondent for California Healthline and Kaiser Health News. And I want to add Niels and Berkeley into the conversation.
8: Hey, Niels, welcome. morning. Thank you so much. Hey, to continue on that last point about staffing, uh, any successful uh, work in skilled nursing needs to uh, increase the level of protection for workers by a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm a hospice chaplain. I visit skilled nursing facilities daily, and it is absolutely visible the places that have better staffing, higher paid staffing, better motivated staffing, that just do much better. Mm. And mm-hmm. many, many of these places, I mean, earlier I asked, how do you choose uh, a nursing facility? If you go visit, look at the staff. Do they smile? Uh, Mm -hmm. Are they collegial with one another? How do they interact? Are they sniping or not? These are Mm -hmm. all signs of stress that they feel or not feel. And they are always directly related to the management, staffing levels, things Mm -hmm. of that sort. We remember also from the beginning of the pandemic that there was no PPE, Mm -hmm. uh, protective equipment. And if a staff member who often has two jobs uh, is at risk, they often have to take personal time off their own holiday, vacation, sick days um, to, you know, if they need to quarantine, they don't get extra uh, protection for quarantining if they need to do that to protect the residents, which means that they um, if they don't quarantine, they don't earn money the uh, mm. same way. Yeah. And that's, you know, those are very staffing protection is critical.
3: Thank Thank you so much for that, Niels. Really appreciate that perspective. And I wanted to know, Samantha Young, is there a website that if you live in California, you can go there and you can see the staffing levels? You could see any of these kinds of things that we might want to know quantitatively is happening in, in these places in addition to, you know, just going, visiting and seeing the staff?
2: I, I don't know the answer to that question as far as staffing levels. I, I don't believe so, um, but I don't want to definitively definitely say no. Uh, but, you know, because the staffing levels also change that there are a number of, I know state law requires that there, you know, each nursing home has like 3.5 hours per day of a nursing home. Of uh, nursing mm-hmm. care for each patient, um, but even you know, though you have that state law, you have a number of nursing homes have waivers to that because of nursing um, shortages. So, yeah. you know, you you might have this standard, but, but you know, and especially during the pandemic, you have nursing homes. When I spoke with the with them, you know, they said that you know, right now. Those a lot of nurses, they're going to the hospitals because they can get a much better pay at a hospital than they can in a nursing home. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, it's you know, that that's hit them hard as well. Yeah.
3: Let's bring in Valerie, who I think is calling in from Montana.
9: No, Martinez, California. Oh, Martinez,
3: Martinez. OK, that's yeah. slightly different from Montana. <laughs> Welcome Hi. to the show. Yeah.
9: Thank you. Thank you. Um, as, a, as a supervisor, as actually a director of memory care and assisted living, and I've also worked in skilled nursing, uh, a skilled nursing facility, I wanted to talk about staffing and how it affects patient care. Often with um, for-profit um, co- uh, companies, they do not invest in, um, in staffing. That's not what they're concerned about usually is clean, dry, and fed. And getting someone in the bed and getting paid for that bed. And, and um, go ahead.
3: Noah, what would you, so what would you recommend? If, you know, you've, you've worked right in this. If you had a family member going in, what would you do?
9: I, what I would do is, um, number one, I, the, I would check staffing. Uh, bed ratio to staffing is uh, the most important factor. Mm-hmm. How many beds do they have in the unit? and how many staff do they have in the unit. And that will tell you what you need to know.
3: And what would a good ratio look
9: like? It, well, that depends on how many beds they have, frankly. Okay. Um, okay. You know, because some, some are double rooms, some are single rooms. It really depends on that. But there should be at least, um, I would say from my point of view as a supervisor,
5: mm-hmm.
9: Hi, I am comfortable with, it, with at least three beds. Three, um, um, Once uh, one staff per three to four people. Okay. And because they have to get them up, get them dressed, and all those kinds of things. Yeah. So um, it it really is that's I think a really po- uh, pointed factor or something one should uh, someone going putting having someone go to live in a place like that should really look for.
3: Look for that. Thank um, you so much, Valerie from Martinez. Thank you. Really appreciate you sharing that inside perspective for us. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. And thank you for the topic. I appreciate it. Oh, yeah, for sure. Samantha Young, what should people now, if they want to put political pressure to change things, like big things, not just people looking for, you know, a place for their family, where, where, who do they contact at the assembly to say, hey, listen, we need to take better care of our elders?
2: They should. Contact their state senator or their state assemblyman uh, or assembly member uh, that that those are the the people who will be voting on these bills that come before them. And that's that's who's going to have the the power to make this change. And, and the governor who will be signing this, this legislation.
3: Yeah. Thank you so much. You know, a couple uh, listener comments, a listener tweets. We went through the selection process in 2014. The most expensive facility, which we didn't choose, closed during the pandemic and people were left scrambling. Claire writes, I work at a county hospital and there are certain skilled nursing facilities that patients consistently come from in deplorable conditions, infections with maggots, etc. Unfortunately, providers and patients, especially those on Medicare, don't have a choice in where they go after hospital discharge and neither party has time to file formal complaints. So many issues in this realm. We've been talking about how the pandemic death toll has prompted calls for more oversight of nursing home licensing, inspections and quality of care. But of course, those problems long preceded the pandemic. It's time something got done. We've been joined by Samantha Young, California politics correspondent for California Healthline and Kaiser Health News. Thank you for coming on, Samantha. Stay tuned for more form after the break. I'm Alexis Madrigal.